bring you what I consider a bird's eye view of the Revelation. Uh, everybody seems to be interested in the book of the Revelation. Sometimes I can very readily tell that people have not read this book very much. I hear them referring to it as Revelations. And that's not it at all. It is the Revelation, actually, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The word Revelation means unveiling. So what we have is an unveiling, not only of our Lord Jesus and what He does, but of events that are yet in the future. Now, I'm not going to be able tonight to delve into uh, details as such. We'll do that at a later time, and I'm praying uh, about perhaps uh, preaching right through the book of Revelation uh, in coming Sundays. But I felt like tonight it would be very profitable for us to at least be reminded of some things many of us or uh, many of you already know, uh, giving us an overall view of the book of uh, the Revelation. And in doing so, uh, it will enable us to come to a right interpretation uh, of the many strange, unusual things that you find recorded in this book. There was a church in Gainesville, Georgia, by the way, a few years ago, that in a business session of their church, voted that no one would ever or should ever preach out of the book of the Revelation. I want to tell you, if that happens, you're just, I mean, you're just blinding your eyes. Uh, you're uh, hiding from truth that our Lord has given to us that can indeed bless us abundantly. Every book has a key. Sometimes it's difficult for us to find the key, and it's not because the Lord hides the key from us, but it's because somehow we have failed to recognize the key to that particular book. Uh, I know you remember me telling the story about when uh, uh, our family lived in Highlands, North Carolina, the town I was, where I was born. And uh, mom and dad, of course, uh, lived there right on the side of, of Mira Lake. And uh, one day mom had to go do some grocery shopping and she went away, and Dad was there, and uh, all of a sudden he remembered uh, that he needed some uh, tool down at the hardware store. And so uh, before he left, uh, he wrote a note to Mama and pinned it on the door and simply said, the note said this, if you get back before I do, the key is under the mat. <laughs> I'm sure some thief would have appreciated that information. But the Lord doesn't hide the key from us. He gives us a key that we can use that I think will certainly unlock many of the mysteries of the book of the Revelation. I want to give you that key, and you'll find it in Revelation in the first chapter. And let's look, if you will, at the 19th verse, and I'm going to put this up here just in case anybody uh, didn't get the message. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. 
the key to the understanding of the book of the Revelation. Now, if you will turn there and let me read with you what this verse says. It declares, as the Lord says to John, who is the penman of this book, the verse says, write these things, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Now you've got here past, present, and future. That's what John is saying. So he's declaring here that John should write the things which he has seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Now I've drawn a a simple little chart that I think will help you if you will. And by the way, if you can't see back there, wherever you are, just kind of move around. It won't embarrass me or bother anybody. A fellow said to a preacher friend of mine the other day, he said, you know, said, I don't like to go to that church. And the preacher said, why is that? Well, he said, I sit back there and I look at the back of the heads of people. Some of them are hypocrites. Some of them are just low down mean and said, I just don't like to go to church to have to look at the back of their heads. And the preacher said, well, I'll tell you, I've got a remedy for you. And he said, what's that? He said, sit on the front seat. <laughs> That'll cure it, won't it? You won't have to look in the back of anybody's head. All right. Revelation, uh, the wonderful book. And uh, if you will, we're going to try to relate these things to uh, uh, what is revealed in uh, this marvelous book. Can you folks over here see? Uh, can, you, can you see there, Bob? Uh, all right. Can you see, uh, uh, Bruce? Can you see that? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Can you see She said, that's shaky. I am too. All right. If you will, let's look at the things uh, that uh, uh, he understood before. Now, I want to bring you up to the first chapter of the book of Revelation and ask you to note that we have designated what is known as eternity past. That's kind of a misnomer. Uh, Eternity doesn't have a past doesn't have present or future. Eternity is just eternity. Eternity had no beginning, has no end. But if for our understanding, we'll designate it eternity past. Now, up to the point of the cross, people lived under the old covenant, that is, the Old Testament period of the, of the children of God. You know what? At the cross, the Old Testament era faded into the past. That is, we do not live today under the Old Covenant. And that's what the word testament means. But we live at the point from beyond the cross, the crucifixion of our Lord. You know, a lot of people have the idea that the New Testament era begins in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. No, it doesn't. It begins after the crucifixion when our Lord paid the price that was demanded by the holiness of God. He offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. 
No longer then was it necessary for, the old, for people to bring a, a sacrifice of, of lambs, of bullocks, of pigeons, or whatever. Our Lord was the sacrifice for sin. And he offered himself once for our sins. That is, not to be repeated. And even though the Roman church, through their uh, constant observance of what they call the Mass, which is nothing more than a re-crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, it is not necessary. Our Savior has already been crucified once for all for the, for the cleansing of our sin. Now, after, of course, our Lord was crucified, he was buried, and uh, thus rose again. Thus, when he arose, after a period of some uh, 40 days, uh, uh, being with his disciples, he goes out to the Mount of Olives and there ascends into heaven as the disciples are watching him go up. And according to the book of Acts chapter 1, Two angel messengers, men in white apparel, came standing by them and said, Why gaze up into heaven? This same Jesus you've seen go away will come again in like manner as you've seen him go. Now Jesus said this to his disciples, A little while you see me, and after a while you're not going to see me. I'm going to be gone. And so our Lord ascended into heaven. So we've come to the resurrection. Now, John was exiled out on the Isle of Patmos because of his faith, because of his preaching uh, uh, the word of God. You know, this world hadn't changed a lick. If they'd get by with it, they'd exile every Bible-believing preacher and every Bible-believing preacher they could, boil them in all and stick them out on some deserted island. The world's attitude has not changed toward God or His Word. Hadn't changed one lick. And so the Lord said, Jesus said, if they hated me, you mark it down, they'll hate you. And the more you become like Jesus, the more this world, I mean, they, they don't have anything to do with you. And that's true in many of our churches today. Many of our churches are nothing but entertainment centers. Uh, people have to be entertained, have to have uh, all kind of singing groups come in and this, that, and the other to entertain people and uh, have rock bands and all the rest uh, in order to get a crowd. Well, I, I'm not, uh, I'm telling you now, you may want that, but as long as I'm here, you ain't going to get it. And so the whole story is uh, the, the church, the church. Uh, we come to Revelation chapter 1, by the way, and I'll just mark this right here. Revelation chapter 1. Now remember, I'm giving you a bird's eye view. We're just flying over some 22 chapters. Just, I mean, making a flight in a hurry. In chapter 1 of Revelation, you have a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. John saw him. And boy, what a description he gives of the Son of God. Eyes like a flame of fire. Uh, clothed uh, with a girdle and uh, uh, standing in great power. John sees him, and he sees him uh, in his resurrection power. Now, you'll find that in your Bible in Revelation chapter 1. Now, please let me ask you this. Don't try to read this while I'm talking. You won't, you won't get very far, and I won't either. 
So just, if you will, take a note or two. Revelation chapter 1 deals with a vision of the resurrected Christ in all of his power and all of his glory. Now, we move to chapter 2 and chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, look at it. In chapter 2 and chapter 3, there is an unveiling of what we call the church. The church. There were seven churches that actually existed in the time of this writing. I believe that all seven of these churches, though they were existing at the time, they have a prophetic meaning for the church where, of this very day and age. In other words, we are now living in what is known as the age of the church or the age of grace. We're living under grace, and the church is now existent. When you go back and read the Old Testament prophets, you will find that they had a lot of things to say prophetically, but they did not say anything about this particular period, the age of the church, simply because they did not see this particular valley, if we'd call it, in their prophetic visions. What these Old Testament prophets saw, they looked ahead, and what they talked about primarily was the kingdom of Messiah when he would come and rule and reign on this very earth. But they did not see this era in which you and I are living known as the age of the church. So we say a lot about that. Matthew 13, for example, has a lot to say in those seven parables of Matthew 13 about the weed and the tares and uh, the net that's thrown out and the fish and so forth, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, has a lot to say prophetically about the church. That is, how the church, uh, the condition of the church in the absence of the king. He is not here, for he has ascended. He has ascended. So John is going to tell us the things that he's seen and the things that are. And the things that are are these present churches. Now, let me just mention one of those churches as you come down to the book, the five, seventh of the seven churches in the church age and the church of Laodicea. In other words, you you cannot help but see that the church of Laodicea, though it existed in the time of the writing of this letter to them, that it also has a prophetic message about the end time church that is the professed church on the earth. And it is the church that is, uh, well, the name Laodicea means the people speak. It is a time when people are talking about my rights, my rights, my rights, and so forth. And so it is a time when people speak. People are more interested in this day, in the closing age of the church, more interested in what people say than what God says. You know, I'm telling the truth there. It's amen or not yet. So, the church of Laodicea. From Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, to the church of Laodicea. And you'll find, I think, there a panoramic history of the church's experience on this earth 
from the time of its inception after the, after the ascension of our Lord until the great moment that is prophesied, and that is the rapture of the church. You've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. The word rapture is not found in your Bible. It is a word simply that we have chosen that means a catching away. And that's what Paul talks about. And some of you are way back there. You need uh, some eyeglasses to see this. But in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 at verse 15 through 18, Paul talks about this event of the catching away of the church where he says, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we, we which are alive and remain shall be, and here it is, caught up, snatched away in, uh, 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 together with them in the clouds, and we will be forever with the Lord. Now, so this, the concluding of the age of the church, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, is the rapture of the church. Look at chapter 4, and let me ask you to just read first verse. Chapter 4 and verse 1 says, John is writing, After this, after what? After the church, all these messages of the church. After this, I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. And I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. So from this point on, we have things that will be hereafter. Remember our key verse? The things which would be hereafter. And so from this point all the way through are things of a future prophetic events that will take place. Over in 1 Corinthians, and noted here, chapter 15 and verse 50, the Bible says that uh, uh, at the last trump, uh, the, uh, uh, the twinkling of an eye, uh, we shall all be changed. We'll not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I like that, don't you? I'm ready for a change myself. Uh, and it's coming. It's coming. And uh, when our Lord takes us home, we're going to have a great change. I was in a church not long ago and had a beautiful nursery. And on the door of the nursery, I saw a little sign. And it said, uh, we shall all be changed. I like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, we shall all be changed. But anyway, we will be changed from this vile body into a body likened to that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh boy, what we have to look forward to. That's enough to put a shout in your soul, isn't it? To know that one of these days we're going to drop this old robe of flesh, we're going to strike the tent, we're going to go. Uh, I'm glad one of these days all aches and pains be gone, the headaches, back aches, all the diseases, all the clogged up arteries, uh, all of the heart trouble, I'm glad that one day, thank God, we're going to have a change. Yes, sir, I'm glad of that. Well, so we come to chapter 2 through chapter 2 and 3 of the church, and then at the end of chapter 3, the church is called up, come up hither. So our Lord returned for his church, and notice I've just designated this with a little arrow, kind of curve, 
which simply says, as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Now, there are two phases of the coming of Christ. The first phase is when he comes in the air. The second aspect of his coming is when he comes at this point and places his feet upon this very earth. But when he comes the first time, he's coming for his bride. He's coming for the believer. He's coming to bring us out unto himself. Now, Paul said this, He hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. Wrath, you'll find it right here. From chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. All the awful expressions of the wrath of God. Jot it down. Chapter 2 through 3 is the fact of the church. Of the church. At that end of chapter 3, the church is raptured. Apply this to the reading of your Bible. And in chapters 4 and 5, you'll find that most of the things that are written in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation are things that have to do with things that are occurring in heaven, in heaven, about the rolled up scroll and they could find no one to open it you remember until one who was worthy was found and he opened the scroll which I believe is the title deed to this earth but anyway uh, uh, at chapter 6 then through chapter 19 is a period that we know as the period of tribulation now Jesus talked about the days of Jacob's trouble in Daniel chapter 9, uh, Daniel talked about this uh, uh, 70, uh, these uh, 70 years uh, that he had allotted to his people. 69 of them have already taken place, and we, were, we have not experienced what he's talking about in that, in that final year. But here is the time known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It will be a period that will last approximately seven years. Now, many a Bible teacher divides the tribulation into what they call the tribulation and then the second half, three and a half years of the seven, is designated as the great tribulation. Now, over here, let me just ask you to turn over here if I can find it right quick. Uh, let's see. Yeah. In chapter 11, look at verse number 2. Verse number 2 of chapter 11. And it says this. The temple has been, the temple of course, has been measured and so forth. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, he says, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot, Forty and two months. Now, this is mentioned again over in chapter 13, verse 5. Let me see if I can find that. Chapter 13, verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking of the, uh, of the Antichrist, mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Now, 42 months equals three and a half years. 
So we've got a period in this time of tribulation, though it will last for seven years. Now at the beginning, you'll find, at the beginning of the tribulation, after the rapture of the church, uh, it'll be a time of uh, comparative peace and prosperity. Everything going to go all right. Now the Christ is going to come in, uh, and you'll find him described as one who rides in on a white horse. He has a bow, no arrows. And he comes riding in, uh, and he's speaking peace and great swelling words, and he's going to be the guy we know as the Antichrist who's going to come in in that period and offer such a fabulous plan for peace in this world that men and women are going to, I mean, swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Now, already there's preparation for the ruling of one world rule. I mean, that's, that's in the making now. You don't have to go far to find, find that very evident. United Nations, for years they've been pushing for, you know, a one-world front, a one-world court, a one-world military. And by the way, isn't it strange that uh, uh, soldiers in our country cannot move until the U.N. approves? Well, I just, I'm going to tell you, I don't have anything to do with that. That's not in me. Uh, I still believe we're a country under God. And I believe we need a bunch of infidels and atheists in the United Nations telling us what to do. But uh, I'm not a politician and I'm not in Washington, but that's my opinion. But nonetheless, the tribulation, chapter 6 through 19, and all the horrible things that you read. A fellow by the name of Carl Sanders, along with other physicists and scientists, have already developed a little microchip that can be put under, the, uh, under your skin. It's no bigger than the, the grain of a rice, and it'll contain every bit of information that any world ruler needs about you, your health record, your finances, uh, what party you're in, so on down the line. And the best place that Carl Sanders, who, by the way, has become a born-again Christian since his development in this, and the government spent billions of dollars for this project, it has already, by the way, it's already been used using the Gulf War. It's been used on pets out in California and already in some children. And they say it'll just be, I mean, it'll solve the problem of when you have a lost child that from a satellite, they can, they can find out where that child or that animal is within 10 inches of where it is. Now, if you don't think Somebody get a hold of that and rule this world, you better think again. And yet the Antichrist is going to rise in this time. And uh, yet great and terrible expressions of judgment and wrath are described in these chapters, chapter 6 through 19. Uh, the sun becomes hot, men are, men's bodies are, are scorched. The moon, as it were, uh, turns to uh, 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 drops great drops of blood, and there are signs in the heavens above, and uh, all of the plagues and that are described in the vials and the trumpets and the seals, all of these things. Now, all of this, I want to tell you what: when the devil came on the scene and got Adam and his wife Eve to disobey God and try to take authority from God to themselves. The devil has been 
I hope I can be understood in this. As far as this earth is concerned, he's a squatter. He's moved in territory that doesn't even belong to him. Now, let me illustrate what's happening here in the tribulation period. Uh, the old devil, the squatter, who's come along and said, this is, boy, this is all mine. I'm going to run this, this affair. So he's like a squatter who moves into a fellow's little house out there on a ranch somewhere. The owner of the ranch one day discovers that that fellow's occupying territory that's not his. So he comes over and tells the fellow, listen, you're going to have to vacate these premises. This property doesn't belong to you, it belongs to me. And the fellow said, on your, on your life, I'm not moving. I'm living here. I, I, don't, I don't care who, you, if you say this belongs to you, I don't believe it. I'm going to stay right here. And the fellow says, if you don't move, I'm going to go get the sheriff. And the sheriff's going to come out here and uh, evict you and, and, and kick you off this property. Well, the fellow said, do whatever you want to, but I'm staying. And uh, after a day or so, the sheriff comes back, along with his deputy, and he, they come in, and there's a little fight and a scrap. A few chickens are killed. Fence is knocked down. The gate's broke. But the sheriff evicts this fella from the property that's not his. Now, keep that picture in your mind. That's exactly what our Lord's going to do. This earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But we've had a squatter to come in and say, hey, this is my territory. And the Lord Jesus says, it's not your territory. And if you don't move, I'm going to have to take some drastic action. And you know what he does? In Revelation chapter 6 through 19, buddy, you talk about drastic action. He lets the world and the followers of Satan know that this is his property. He's the one who was found worthy to open that scroll over in chapter 4 and 5. And that scroll, I believe, as I said earlier, is the title deed to this earth. He bought it. Well, he created it. Uh, he bought it. He redeemed it. It's his property. And so the Lord is going to clean the house during this period. I mean, he's going to wipe the slate clean. So in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, you have what's known as the time of tribulation, the time of great wrath. Now, while there's tribulation on this earth, the church is up here in heaven. We're with the Lord all the way from chapter 4 through chapter 19 of Revelation. When you read chapter 4 through 19, you're not reading anything about any born-again believer. What he's, going to, he's not going to go through that. Uh, the Lord's already uh, paid uh, uh, the price for him. He's already suffered his judgment. So when you read in Revelation from chapter 4 or chapter 6 through 19, uh, don't let it frighten you and say, oh boy, it's going to be terrible, I won't be here. Not if you're saved, you're not. Now, if you're not saved, you're going to be here. If the Lord should come tonight, I guarantee you're going to go through it. And so there's the time of tribulation. Churches in heaven, the earth, God's wrath is being poured out. Now, after this period, at chapter 19 and 20, our Lord is seen as coming back to this very earth and placing his feet on this earth. Now watch this, chapter 19. You'll find that here, uh, 
uh, while the marriage of the Lamb has taken place, you'll find now at verse 11 of chapter 19, and it says, I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. You know, when the Antichrist comes riding in on his white horse and has a bow but no arrows, uh, he's, he's trying to be like Christ, trying to be just like him. Devil's always tried to be like God, hadn't he? I mean, that's what, it, that's what the old prophet said. I'll ascend, I'll be like the Most High. So he came in. But here the Lord Jesus coming, and uh, him that sat on it was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a, a, a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. Who's that? That's me and you. We done been called up to heaven. The rapture of the church taking place. We've been up there with the Lord all the while and been feasting with Him at the marriage feast. And the armies which were in heaven followed Him upon the white horse and clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of His mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it He should smite the nations and He shall rule them with a rod of iron and He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And He hath on His vesture and on His thigh name written King of kings and Lord of Lord. Now, that's when our Lord will come the second time. Now, we mentioned uh, earlier there are two phases of His coming. He's going to come in the air. We're going to be caught up to meet Him. We're going to be with the Lord in heaven while the wrath of God's poured out down here. The marriage supper of the Lamb, all of the rejoice and so forth. But at the end of that period of seven years, the Lord's going to come back and place His feet upon this very earth. Now, let me ask you to look to the book of Zechariah for, uh, for what I'm telling you, that you're going to come back. Zechariah, that's the book just before Malachi, and then comes the New Testament book of Matthew. Zechariah, Malachi, and then uh, Matthew. Now, chapter 14, I wish, I'd, I wish I had time to read all this, but I don't. Uh, he talks about... Uh, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, half of the city shall go forth uh, into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off. Uh, shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now, our Lord is going to come, and uh, He's going to put down all opposing forces, all that have followed the Antichrist, all that have bowed before Him. And the Lord, now watch this, verse 4, and His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, that's the very mount He ascended from, He said He's coming back, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. Half the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Now, I'm not going to read all of that chapter, but I challenge you to read that when you get home. You'll find some thrilling truths 
in the remainder of this chapter. What I wanted you to understand was when our Lord comes at the end of chapter 19, you will find that he comes and places feet upon this earth. He puts down all rule, Gentile rule, all the Antichrist kingdom, and in Revelation 20, he establishes his kingdom, the kingdom of Messiah. Now, that's what the Old Testament prophets saw. And they're talking about the Lord will rule. Indeed, he will. Now, according to Revelation 20, he will rule for a period of 1,000 years. Let's look at Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Look at this. You if I can find it. All right. Revelation 20. Now, uh, let me, without having to read all this, verse 4, let's read this. Satan, of course, is bound during this period of time, according to Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3. He is bound. And at verse 4, he said, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not uh, worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark, nor foreheads, are in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. <laughs> we got a lot of folks. They won't take the Bible at face value. You say, oh, you know, that means a, 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 a period of time. Well, the Lord said a thousand years, that suits me. Huh? And uh, a lot of these new Bibles, they'll come out and change everything that the Lord given us in the first place. Blessed and holy is he uh, that hath part in the first resurrection, uh, and uh, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. I don't know how that could be any plainer to you. So our Lord's kingdom is going to be upon this present earth right here for a thousand years. In the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that he will rule from the throne of his father David after the flesh. It's not a spiritual reign. It's going to be a physical reign of our Lord upon this earth for a thousand years. And you and I, who are his children, will be his servants. I don't know what he'll have us doing. Some of the big dog catchers, street sweepers, whatever else we need to do. But uh, according to how faithful we've been here, according to whether or not we have been true to him. And so, saved people will be the Lord reigning with him in his kingdom. My, what a kingdom to be. Read Isaiah, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah about this coming kingdom, a time of peace, when uh, uh, the child will play on the uh, on the cockatrice den and the lamb will lay down with the lion and all of that. Oh, what a day it's going to be. A time of peace when King Jesus reigns <laughs> from Jerusalem. Won't that be great? <laughs> Amen. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you. I believe you are. And then uh, at the end of the thousand years, according to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, the present earth and heavens will be destroyed. That's what Peter said. I know there's a lot of talk back and forth. Some say, well, it's not going to be destroyed. It's going to be renovated. But the Bible said we look for a new heaven and a new earth. Now, for me, I believe new means new. 
my brother Bill, older than I am by four years, and of course when he was growing up, he was a little bigger. I got all the hand-me-downs. And somebody would say, boy, you got a new pair of overalls, haven't you? And I'd say, no, some Bill had, and he outgrew them. There, you know, but they wasn't, they wasn't new. Now, I wear hand-me-downs. I even wear dead folks' clothes. Somebody will die, and they'll leave me their clothes. I wear them. That's all right with me. Don't bother me. I don't lose any sleep over it. And so the whole truth is, the, the, this earth is going to be destroyed, and the Lord's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But the last judgment comes at the end of this period when men will be judged. The white throne judgment, you read about that? And then will come eternity, the new heavens, new earth, as is described in chapter 21 and chapter 22. You see, the Lord's going to put down rule, all, or, all uh, wicked rule, and he's going to then merge his thousand-year kingdom into the kingdom of eternity, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, where he shall rule and reign forever and forever and forever. All right? The Lord, through this thousand-year period, I think, is going to show mankind he does exactly what he said he'd do. Man, you know, man thinks he can run this country and run this world by himself apart from God. Boy, he's making a mess out of it, isn't he? Well, I'm glad we have the book of Revelation, aren't you? And I hope just the little bird's eye view, and oh, I know you've got a thousand questions you'd like to ask me about what does this mean? What does that say? Well, you pray, and if the Lord will help me, I'd like to go through. I preached through the book of Revelation here several years ago. It's been, I don't know how many years ago. I don't remember, uh, but it's been a long while. And if the Lord will direct me, I'd like to just get in the book of Revelation. We'll just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and see what the Lord has to say, all right?